This is Who Makes a Podcast. Conversations with your favorite podcast hosts about who they are, the shows they make, and why they make them. I'm your host, Chris Cookley, and my guest today is Andrea Norse. Andrea is the author of women's fiction novels, including Happily Ever Never and After Everything. Her fifth novel, Out of Anywhere, was released in August. Andrea currently lives in Nashville with her husband, Jeff, and their two children, Jackson and Annabeth. She has a BS in mass communication from MTSU and an MBA from the University of Memphis. When she's not reading, writing, or bookstagramming, she enjoys pretending to know how to bake, swooning over Chris Evans, and scrolling Netflix without ever finding something to watch. Andrea is also the host of the Bookstagram Chats podcast. Andrea, Welcome to Who Makes a Podcast. Thank you. I think the thing I'm most proud of in that bio is working Chris Evans into it. So thank you for reading that. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who's named Chris is welcome on my podcast. <laughs> uh, if you get him on, I'd like to, to co-host that episode, please. Yeah, I've got some some celebrities that I'm, I'm shooting for. I don't know if he has a podcast. If he has a podcast, he's welcome to uh, to join me. Yeah, I don't think he does. He should. <laughs> yeah. I'd tune in for that, for sure. We could work on that. All right. So we know each other in real life. I used to work with your husband, Jeff. Mm -hmm. And uh, for my listeners who may not know you, tell me a little bit about yourself. So where you're from originally, what you do beyond podcasting, where you live now, how you got there, that sort of thing. Yeah, I am originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, Moved to Nashville in 2005. Well, technically December 31st, 2004. My initial intention in moving to Nashville was to be a songwriter. Hey. Um, I love writing lyrics. I uh, learned very quickly that not singing or having any desire to sing or play an instrument kind of put a damper on that. So went to college, got my degree, and then somewhere along the way discovered I loved writing books more than songs. So that is kind of what led me to the self-publishing, indie publishing route with women's fiction. By day, I work in publishing and marketing children's books. So basically my entire life outside of my husband and children is books. Awesome. You are an author, as you said, you started writing books sometime after you came to Nashville. Was that something that you always wanted to do, even though you weren't necessarily doing it until sometime in the last 10 years? Or did that kind of come up out of nowhere? And then once you started doing it, when did you take it seriously? Because there's, you know, there's a lot of people that write books that They never see the light of day, but you have actually put some words out into the world for people to look at. Yeah. So I never thought I could write a book. I always thought I did not have the attention span to write a book, which to some extent is true because when I start writing, if I don't just sit down and hammer it out, it just doesn't get finished. I move on to something else. So when I challenged myself to sit down and write a book, I honestly didn't think I would ever finish it. But I did. And that first one was, it was an okay book. Um, My friends enjoyed it. So that kind of validated that at least I had something going on that was (laughs) enjoyable or readable. Yeah. Uh, From there, there was a couple unfinished. And then I did NaNoWriMo, I think, in 2012, which if you're not familiar, that's National Novel Writing Month. And it's every November. And the goal is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. And I managed to finish that and then decided that I was going to try to take it seriously and started researching indie publishing. Back then, it was just called self-publishing. And 
totally different arena than what we have today with indie publishing, but decided that that was kind of the route I wanted to go. And, you know, aside from a year stint of trying to query, that was kind of my path forward that I've just stuck with. Uh, I love having complete control, Yeah, which if you ask anybody is very, very on brand for me. So it's, it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah, that's awesome. So the NaNoWriMo thing that you did, that was after you had already published a book? Did I have that in the right order? No, I never published that first one that I wrote. Oh, I see. You just gave it to your friends. Yeah. It will forever live in a box. (laughs) I have a few of those as well. Yeah, I have several that have joined it there. (laughs) Okay. So what you said um, women's fiction. What what is that exactly? Is that is that something that all of your books are do follow or will follow, have followed? Yeah. So if we lived in a non-patriarchal society, it would just be called contemporary fiction. But because of our landscape, the any any book that focuses on the main character who is female and her and either an emotional journey or just a general journey that is focused on the a female that is what is women's fiction. It doesn't always have to have romance, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it's there's even thriller suspense that kind of falls into that women's fiction arena. So mine is mainly women's fiction. Um, there's a little bit of romance. I think <laughs> I think in one of my other podcasts I uh, I mentioned you read actually uh, out of anywhere before. I did. I did. A lot of people did and. I remember you saying, I don't read romance. And I'm like, it's not romance. (laughs) And it wasn't. No, it was not. Yeah. But I think I just get salty because we have to add that women's fiction on there when it should just be good old classic contemporary fiction. But do you though, do you, do you have to add it on there? Um, you know, when you're thinking from a publishing standpoint and where your book gets placed on Amazon, or if you're lucky enough to get in a bookstore where they place your book kind of matters. And you know, I think sometimes women's fiction does get lumped in with romance. Like if you're querying authors or if you're looking at publishers' um, marketplace deals, they get kind of lumped together. But, you know, the target audience on women's fiction is typically women. I don't know a lot of men who are actively seeking books that are about the emotional journey of women. Sure. They should, but you know, I don't think that's a genre. Like my husband, he'll, he'll read my books to appease me, but his, his genres fall more like in science fiction, Yeah, uh, which women do too. But I think, you know, from a marketing and target audience perspective, it, it's kind of important to have the women's fiction on there. I see. Well, that's uh, unfortunate, I suppose. <laughs> I, I embrace it some days and then other days I'm like, why? Why does it have to be labeled? But yeah, at the same time, I... I also, this is no offense to you because I've read one of your books, but I typically don't read authors that are male and white and straight. Sure. Um, so I, from that perspective, I can understand, you know, a man not wanting to read a a woman's journey book. Yeah. And the, that uh, makes sense. the book that you read of mine is is one of those that's in the drawer, never to see the light of day again. So <laughs> it was pretty good. I think you should dredge that thing back out. Oh, well, thank you. I enjoyed it, and it's not my typical genre, so. I think the the story is okay. There are some scenes in it, and we don't have to get into it, that I think back <laughs> and I, I kind of cringe on. I'm like, why did I ever write that? But are you a writer if you don't do that? I don't think so. 
no, I think you're required to have a little self-loathing and a little bit of what was I thinking when I wrote that? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a really awkward kind of torture scene. And I I don't think I would write that again. And uh, I just like, I, I gave that to my mom to read and my aunt to read. And I'm like, oh man, that... I never really got any feedback and they probably got to that point and just put it down and were like, who is this guy? Yeah. That's like one of my books has a little bit more detailed intimate scenes than any of the other ones. Cause I was trying new things and like, I remember my brother sharing it and I'm like, please God do not read this book. Yeah. And I, if he ever did, he never told me. So I appreciate that. But <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely things as a writer that you have to, I always preface when someone's like, oh, you wrote a book, can I read it? And I was like, you can, if you are able to mentally separate the person standing in front of you and the right. characters in the book. <laughs> right. It's not autobiographical. Yes. It may be first person, but it is not me. Yeah. Is writing what you want to do full-time, would you want that to be your full-time career? You know, if Mary and Chris Evans is not an option, then yes. Writing is definitely where I see my, where I would be the most... I think satisfied from a career standpoint. Now working in books satisfies that quite a bit, but there's just the dream of waking up with getting some coffee and sitting down and spending your day in a fictional world that you created. There's, I can't think of anything better. Yeah. I've had that, uh, that dream myself many a day. <laughs> Usually around 8am meetings on a Monday morning is when it strikes the hardest. Oh yeah. No, I, those are instant decline for me. <laughs> Unless it's from my boss. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you, you have published books. So how, and we're, we're going to kind of lead this a little bit into the, uh, the topic of your podcast here. So how instrumental to your writing career has social media been? Uh, it's pretty vital. I mean, not just from a reaching readers standpoint, but also connecting with other authors and kind of building that network of people I can share ideas with, or I can go to with questions of how do I publish on this platform? Or can you help me find a book designer or an editor? And then also just making friends in that writing community. That's been just huge for me. And then obviously from the reader side of it, uh, Bookstagram has been, it's kind of been my happy place for the last three or four years. And I've made some amazing friends and connections and also been able to, I, I, it feels pretentious or stuck up, but like, I've, I feel like I've made a few fans there of people who are genuinely excited to read my books, which yeah. there may be two of them, but it still feels amazing to know that there are people out there that you're not related to that have connected to your story and to your words. Bookstagram is a, a sub-community within Instagram. Is that right? How would you describe Bookstagram? Yeah, it's pretty much exactly like that. It's If you type in the hashtag Bookstagram, you will find a never-ending scroll of some gorgeous book photography, some amazing and insightful reviews. And that's kind of what the community is. It's it's been around for a little while, but it's really kind of exploded over the last couple of years. How large do you think that community is? Well, I mean, if you look at the hashtag, there's over, I think, 50 or so million hashtags. Oh my gosh. And there's some Instagram or bookstagrammers that have, you know, over 100,000 followers. So it's it's definitely one of those communities that I think you kind of get a little bit of the influencer vibe occasionally. There's 
Some people will do sponsored products, but for the most part, it's just kind of a very genuine and holistic community. There's a lot of people reading books, posting about the books they're reading, reviews of books, book pictures, just book book excitement, I guess, on yes. uh, on Instagram. If books had cheerleaders, that would be Bookstagram. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they're like the, uh, the the booksellers of the internet almost a little bit. You go into a good yes. bookstore and there's a, a bookseller waiting to be excited and talk to you about what, what what's new or give you some suggestions about what you should read. Yes, exactly. Is it just on Instagram or is it also on other social media sites? Bookstagram obviously lends itself towards Instagram. Does it extend out to Twitter? This could just be my perspective. But to me, Twitter is more the writing professional side of the book world. Um, that's where I, when I was querying, I would research agents and publishers and and get that information. There are book reviewers on Twitter. and But then you also have like book talk, which is the book section of TikTok. And mm-hmm. book talk is something that the last two or so years has just really blown up. I've got an indie author friend who went viral a couple of times and it bumped her book up to number one in her category on Kindle, which was huge. And then, you know, you like Colleen Hoover, who's a traditionally published author, one of her backlist titles, which is a book that came out prior to this year, one of her backlist books kind of skyrocketed back to the top of the, the bestseller list because it just got gained popularity on book talk. And then I think BookTube, which is YouTube, uh, predates all of this. Um, a lot of your bookstagrammers kind of got their start on BookTube. I've never been a YouTuber, so I don't like. I'll go to it for a tutorial, like if I need to learn how to curl my hair. Yeah, but it's not something that I've ever consumed in mass. My husband is a big, and my my son and my children, but they uh, they're the YouTubers. I just I stick to my Instagram. Yeah, I I watch a lot of YouTube. I. I would love to have the time to to make YouTube videos, but I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I struggle with 15-second reels on Instagram, so I don't think I could do a long-form video. So, All right, so Twitter primarily for business, Instagram, Bookstagram for, for the fun reading, connecting with the community side of things. Yeah, but if you want to have a lot of fun, Book Talk is, book talk is where the spice is. Yeah, it's the, the leading edge of it, I guess. Yeah. I heard on your podcast, you're talking to somebody about their username. How important is a username on Bookstagram? Does it, does it have to have a meaning? I don't think it has to have a meaning. I think a lot of us do. Like one of the ones that <laughs> uh, I'm giggling as I'm about to explain this, but one of the things that drives me nuts is when someone doesn't sit down and see how their handle looks. Like, so someone does moms who read to me, I read that mom whore ad. So <laughs> there's certain things where I think you you should be aware of what your handle looks like. And then also a lot of underscores and a lot of periods and a lot of funky characters kind of, I think they take away a little bit from the ease of communicating with people or trying to remember because you kind of want to be memorable. So someone doesn't follow you immediately. They can be like, oh, I remember this person and their handle is super easy to remember. Like I just interviewed someone hers is Becky reads it all, which is pretty simple to remember. If you know her, you know, she's Becky, she's a reader. Oh, there it is. I can figure that out. Um, And then you have me, I'm pretty boring and mine's just my name. Um, But as an author, that's what I wanted it 
to be because that's what I want people, if they're looking for, hopefully someone is looking for my books or they're trying to find me, that's, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. I've, I don't spend a whole bunch of time on Instagram. I used to have an, uh, an Instagram account that I would try to be active on, but that was one of the things that always frustrated me was like knowing the name of somebody like an author, for example, that I would want to check out to see if they were on Instagram and then not being able to find them readily because their, their name was not their username. Mm-hmm. So like Neil Gaiman is on Instagram and I, I found him eventually. He's Neil himself, I think on Instagram, but he's not Neil Gaiman. So I initially I was like, well, is, is he on there? And maybe that's a bad example. Maybe he would just come up if you searched his name. Yeah. <laughs> I have definitely run into that before, uh, trying to find people and then and you can't because you just you just don't know what they're actually called on there yeah and if you know you're someone who's looking to kind of curate their instagram and they want to only have book content if you don't have those relatable keywords in your handle they may be not entirely sure of your account obviously you can tell by looking at it but i think that also helps kind of identify that you're a part of this community so this is this bookstagram community, this is kind of your social home on the internet. And this is what you have geared your podcast around. Your podcast is bookstagram chats. Mm -hmm. So what is your podcast about exactly? You know, in its simplest form, it's just chats with fellow book lovers. Um, A lot of bookish podcasts focus on book reviews or talking to authors And one of the things that you'll hear almost everyone who is active in the bookstagram community say is how much they love the people they've met. And that's what I wanted this to be all about. So it's, it's just chats with your favorite bookstagrammers or your new favorite bookstagrammer. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Ah, no, I don't. I I shouldn't admit that, but like, there's a few (laughs) that I will pick up on that I listen to. Like Emily Lay, who is, she's kind of the the genius and the founder behind Simplified, which is a, a line of planners, but also just kind of products to simplify your your life. And I'm obsessed with her planners. She's probably my biggest girl crush. Um, so I listen to her podcast. And then there's a few others that I listen to, but I'm I'm really bad about like consistently listening because I also really love to listen to audiobooks. Yeah. And if I have time to sit down and listen or when I'm getting ready in the morning, I tend to lean towards the audiobooks over the podcast. So hopefully no one else does that and everyone just listens to my podcast instead of audiobooks. Yeah, I, I run into that a lot. I, I rent audiobooks from the library and then I never get to them because all of my listening time is spent on podcasts. Yeah, you have the opposite problem. Yeah, I've had, I can't remember his name, Don Miller, I think, uh, how, to, how to Build a Story Brand. Mm-hmm. I've had that rented for like three weeks and I keep renewing it. And I, I think I'm through one chapter. <laughs> have you listened to his podcast? I don't know if it's still out there or if he still does it, but he had a podcast for a little bit. I haven't, but I will look it up and maybe he'll come on the show. That would be awesome. He's here in Nashville, I think. Yeah, he is, which is pretty cool. His podcast is pretty solid. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, to, I'll definitely have to check that out. Do you have a, a certain show or podcast host that you're trying to emulate in any way for your podcast? If you don't, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is if you don't listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. how did you decide what you wanted to do for your podcast? Is there somebody that, 
had a podcast that you you found inspiring or where did it come from maybe it's kind of weird i grew up in radio stations so my mom worked in radio pretty much as all of my childhood and some of my earliest memories are going into the station with her like when we had doctor's appointments or dentist appointments and those are my favorite days because we would always get to go sit in with the morning DJs. And this is, I'm going to date myself. This was back in the day before we had computers and they would send us into the music library and we would get to go pick out the cartridges or they'd send us with a list of one's songs to pull, or they'd say, you could pick a song and we could go in there and pull those songs. So like radio and that medium has always had a very special place for me. And podcasting is kind of in that vein. And my mom DJed a little bit. So I've always kind of had the dream of being a radio disc jockey. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they still exist, but it's not, it's not the same as it was when I was growing up. And so kind of, I had the idea, the first podcast I did was actually one dedicated to indie authors called the indie author book club. And I had so much fun doing that. And then I really was missing it because we we took a hiatus and haven't picked it back up, but I really miss doing it. And I was talking to a friend and I was like, you know, I would love to have one where I could just talk to bookstagrammers and just talk to the other readers and really dive into that community. And then I'm a, I'm a, just a do it person. So as soon as I had the idea and I was like, yeah, this is it. I love this idea. I started inviting people to come on for an interview. So I just kind of once the idea struck, I just dove in head first. So I wouldn't say there's anyone I'm trying to emulate per se, mm-hmm. but trying to get that bookish podcast feel, but focusing on readers as opposed to an author. What did your mom do at the radio station? You said she DJed a little bit. So she has done everything in radio stations. Um, I believe she started her broadcast career at a TV station doing bookkeeping and then just kind of worked her way up from that. Uh, what she was most successful at that I remember the most was in sales shows. She was in advertising sales, which is probably where I get my marketing brain from, but she would also, some of the smaller stations she worked at, she would do like the overnight DJ or she would fill in occasionally. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to her shows, but I also remember like going to the road shows and doing the on-site stuff with her when, with some of her clients. So I've kind of seen all the aspects of a radio station or at least how it worked back in the nineties. So does she, does she still do that or no? She's not, not on air anymore. No, she is not. She, she pulled out of corporate America right around 2001. Uh, okay. It'd be kind of fun to find those tapes and see if you sound like her at all. It would be like, <laughs> I have some of her handwriting, but I feel like, I feel like we sound very different, but I'll have to listen to myself after I listen to her one day and see. <laughs> She's, she's always had that. I mean, she's my mom. So of course, like to me, her voice is very soothing, Yeah, but I feel like she's always kind of had that very comforting voice that fits for radio. Do you have any sort of um, reaction to hearing your voice recorded? You know, I did it first. And then I did a couple podcasts when I was promoting my book. And when I decided, I was like, I need to listen to him just to make sure. And when I listened to it, I was like, I'm just going to pretend it's not me. And so that that helps a lot. And now after editing episodes, I'm just, I'm used to it now. Yeah. I still pretend it's not me, but I'm just used to it. Yeah. I think it's it's pretty common. I, I talked about this with a previous guest as well. And uh, yeah, I think that that initial time you hear yourself 
on a on a podcast or you hear your, your voice recorded it's, it's almost like hearing yourself on a, a voicemail if you've never recorded yourself mm-hmm. before um people just it's they just don't like their voice when they hear it recorded yeah well and i also uh i don't typically like seek out approval but it's really nice to hear some of my um, followers and friends on Bookstagram like you have such a good radio voice or such a good podcast voice and I'm like oh, that's good thank you I feel better about that <laughs> I was like I still don't like to hear myself but at least I don't sound as bad to you as I do to me right and that's all that matters because there's so many more of them than there is of you that's a good way to put that also terrifying but yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so you had a podcast before which is the indie author book club mm-hmm. what was it about podcasting that drew you in that made you want to start that podcast? And then you said you were missing it. So you started this podcast. But what was that? What was that initial like, I want to make a podcast? Where did that come from? Uh, I wish I had some profound answer for you. But, you know, at the time with the Indie Author Book Club, it was, I want to find a way to help bring more awareness and visibility to indie authors on bookstagram bookstagram is is a phenomenal community but it's also kind of led a lot by traditional publishing which is great but i really wanted to find a way to shine a light on some of those indie authors that helped me along the way and whose books i loved as well and i was talking to a fellow indie author maria ann green and telling her about the idea. And as soon as I mentioned it, she was just like, yes, we have to do this. And we, again, I'm a very impulsive person and I got, we got the idea and I had the domain and the website up that day and we were ready to rock and roll. And we, we recorded about one full season of it. Um, and then she went through a really tough miscarriage and, you know, is taking time to kind of heal and move on from that. And, so we've, we've kind of put it on a hiatus with the hope and expectation that at some point we'll go back to it. Cause I do, I love hosting it alongside her. Cause I think our personalities played well together and it was really fun to do that with her. And then I think it was, I want to say maybe March or April when we recorded the last episode. So it had been a bit a, a while and I just missed having those conversations with people Working from home is great as an introvert sometimes, but then there's other times where I just, I miss a little bit of that connection with people who I'm not related to or forced to work with. So that, that was part of it is giving a little bit of that outlet of connecting with people, but it was really just, I wanted to continue nerding out about books all the time. And this was another way to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Is that other is that podcast still up? You people can still go find that one. Um, it may still be up in some places, but uh, I don't believe the the hosting is still active on it. How many episodes did you do on that? You said you did one season. I think we had t- ten or eleven. Okay, that's. A, I mean, that's a a pretty good number for a, for a first season. Yeah. So you started that one first season, ten episodes. And then your co-host had a, a pretty traumatic personal experience that she's trying to work through. So that kind of got put on pause. This current podcast that you're working on now, Bookstagram Chats, 
Do you anticipate seasons for this as well? Or will you just kind of do one episode at a time and then, you know, they, they go as long as they go? You know, I think I love the idea of a structure with seasons, but at the same time, I also like the flexibility of just numbering them and going week to week. Uh, right now I have episodes scheduled out for the next five months. Oh, wow. So it, it feels pretty good to have that much in advance. I've recorded, I think, 11 of the episodes so far. So I'm in a pretty good spot with that one where I feel good about it continuing at a weekly pace. And then if we need to take a break or, you know, have a mini season break, but then pick right back up, I'm, I, I, there's flexibility for that in doing it as a, like, I guess, numerical or serial versus series where you break it down into 10 or 15 episodes chunks. So you're releasing one episode every week right now? Yeah. And you have 11 episodes already recorded and five months worth of guests scheduled to be recorded? Yes. Wow. I'm telling you, this community, like, we we love to, to interact with each other. And it's just, it's really fun to to be able to hear your voice and hear, you know, someone asking and showing that interest, but also it's a really good way to learn about other people who are big, big old book nerds like yourself. And it's just, it's just fun. How are you finding your guests? So I initially just reached out to some people who I've connected with on Bookstagram and have been friends with for a little bit and invited them on. And then I also have an application form on the website for people to fill out. And uh, so I could schedule with maybe people who are new to Bookstagram or that I haven't met yet. Uh, Cause I really want to keep it open. And, you know, I think I'm trying to balance it between some smaller accounts and bigger accounts, newer Bookstagrammers, older Bookstagrammers, just to get a good diverse and wide variety of guests and perspectives. So do you have any, any kind of criteria for your guests as far as like, you must have been active for so long or you must have so many followers to be on here or anything like that. You're just, you know, as long as somebody says they're a bookstagrammer, they're welcome. Yeah. I mean, I would think I would look at content obviously and make sure that it's an actual bookstagrammer. Um, and one of the things too, which is hard for me because I am an author, um, as I'm trying to really focus on readers. So I've, I have an author that I've interviewed and I'll probably do a few more, but I really want to focus it the conversations around bookstagram as opposed to just people coming on to promote a book coming out. Yeah. I could see that uh, being an important distinction to make. All right. So you're having, you're, you're having guests that want to be on your podcast, reaching out to you now you've kind of hit maybe a, a little bit of a critical mass where you don't need to necessarily reach out to people. Although I'm sure you still are, you know, DMing the people that you really want to, mm -hmm. how are you actually scheduling your guests? Like, are you, are you using any sort of software or anything? Or are you trying to do this all through DMS? Uh, I'm doing it very old school and it's, it's super fun because I will do it via DMS. And then I've got a, a master spreadsheet where I'm keeping track of the guest, their contact information, their name, and then the different elements, uh, like when we're recording, when I have their episode scheduled for, and then I'm scheduling it on Zoom and then through my calendar on my email. And then so my husband is aware of what I'm scheduling. So we have kids, so we've got to make sure someone's on top of the kids. Um, I have to put it in our Google calendar. So I mean, I'm sure there's a much easier way to do this. Um, but right now that's kind of 
whoa, <laughs> what is quote unquote working? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all, it's all new. We're all learning right now. You've had, yeah. I think three episodes come out as we're recording this. So definitely a, a newer podcast mm-hmm. as is mine, as we're recording this, I've had zero episodes come out. So, you know, right on the front end, still getting those systems in place. So uh, uh, sort of along with that, I guess, your podcast being so new, how are you planning on driving growth to your podcast? Where are you going to find your listeners? Just on the, the Bookstagram community? Is it just going to be posts and you're, you're hoping that people pick those up and reshare those? Yeah, that's kind of been my focus. And then, you know, I've noticed a few people, I think, have found it on their own and followed or reached out to me about it. Um, and also, you know, hoping the, the guests will share it as well. I'm I'm very much okay with slow organic growth. Right now with episode 3, I think I just hit 260 downloads. So I'm I'm happy with the the progress that I'm seeing and I know that over time it will grow uh and hopefully that I kind of grow along with it cuz like you said we're we're new, we're learning, we're figuring things out. You know, I had another podcast that I did and picked up a few tips and tricks with that. But I think the more I do, the more I'll learn. And hopefully all of that translates to a wider reach. Would you ever consider running ads on your Instagram for this? I mean, Instagram is a Facebook or sorry, meta property. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they have a a very extensive ad platform I know about. Is that something that you would think about for for driving growth to the podcast or to your your Bookstagram account? I know it's effective and I've done ads previously with book releases, but much of much of my, so much of my day job is spent in Facebook advertising and other (laughs) (laughs) advertising that I'm just like my side hustle side gig is, is for fun. Yeah. You know, I do, I have merch that I sell like mugs, sweatshirts that, that helps kind of offset some of the costs, hopefully of hosting the podcast, but other than that, I'm not I'm not making a lot of money on it, so I'm not spending a lot of money on it. And sure. that may change over time. You know, if I get a million downloads, I might reconsider some things. Sure. Maybe get some uh, some sponsors or something like that. Is the merch how you are monetizing your podcast? Is there any other way that you're you're thinking about doing that or are you thinking about doing that? Maybe it's just a hobby and you're just giving it to the community, just being generous. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't I think we all obviously have those wild dreams of being independently wealthy uh, or working for ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) But I I think for me, it's more, it's more about having fun and having that outlet. And if it turns into something that gets bigger than that, awesome. But if not, I, I just love sharing the community and, and also kind of being able to have that own outlet for myself. So it's as much giving it to the community as it is giving it to myself. So what, what is it that you're, you get for yourself out of podcasting? Like, what is it that, you know, you do an episode or you release an episode? What are you, what are you feeling? What are you thinking as it goes out? How are you experiencing it? You know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I hope to kind of grow my own personal platform a little bit, but for me, it's, I get to, I get to talk and about books and, interview people that I've met through this community and have been friends with with, for two or three years, or maybe I just met them. And it's really just, it's fun for me to kind of have that 20 or 30 minutes, a couple nights a week or on a weekend afternoon where it's, I don't have to worry about, you know, 
did the kids mess up the house or was there something blowing up somewhere that I, I have to worry about? And at work, it's just, I get to have that little bit of time where I don't have to worry or think about it. Yeah. I could see that being very appealing. Instagram is a, a kind of a quick hit platform. You're scrolling through feeds really fast. You're swiping through stories pretty quick. So maybe slowing down and, and having a a longer discussion with somebody that you engage with on that platform could be fulfilling in a way that, that maybe DMing them would not be. Yeah. You just get to kind of dig a little deeper. So you, you have done 11 interviews already. You said, Mm -hmm. has there been anything that you've learned about podcasting that you didn't expect before you started those interviews? I'm learning a lot of people are more comfortable with it than they think they will be. Cause you know, there's several people I've reached out to like, Oh, I don't think I could do it. I'm so nervous. Yeah. And then they get on and it's just like this natural flow of a conversation where I don't even think they remember that they're recording a podcast. So that, that has kind of been really fun for me and seeing the way people get excited about talking about their book story or talking about their favorite book or their favorite author or whatever. And just showing them that you've got something to say and it's something that people want to hear. And I think everybody wants to know that. So what is your favorite book right now? Who? um, <laughs> I just finished razor blade tears, uh, by S a Crosby. And that one is probably the first book I've read by a man all year, but it's a, an own voices BIPOC author. And it, it was just amazing. It kind of gave me a little bit of Sons of Anarchy vibes, Okay, but like from the other perspective, like someone that the, the MC went after, but it was, it, that one was just phenomenal. And I'm also reading the sentence right now by Louise Erdick. And it is, it's also very good and surprising. Um, and she's a native American author and she, this book is set actually in the bookstore that she owns in Minnesota. And it's about one of their regular customers dies and is haunting the bookstore. But it also kind of, you can tell as she was writing it, 2020 was unfolding. So there's the pandemic, there's George Floyd, there's the Black Lives Matters protests. And it's just all of the reality, but also this, this amazing story kind of intertwined with it. And it was, it's, it's a very powerful book so far. And I, I'm enjoying it. And I'm having to read that one a little bit slower than normal, just because it's it's very intense. And that's a, a new release, I suppose. Yeah, I think it came out either in the this summer or over the fall. Does that tend to be how the books on Bookstagram go? Is they're all sort of new releases, and as as books come out, they kind of catch a wave on the community, and then the community moves on to whatever the next new book is. Yeah, I you know I feel like some of that is kind of slowing down a little, but if you're at Bookstagram and especially there's certain accounts where it's you can tell it's very much led by what publishers are reaching out about. And you know, now that I work in publishing, it's been really fun to see the books that I am working on popping up on Bookstagram. Yeah. Which is, you know, there's a little bit less because I'm working in children's publishing. So it's not the trade slash adult books that I normally read or would see, but I'm still seeing them pop up and I'm paying more attention because of my day job and the interaction with that. Do you think there's any kind of a, a hole in the community for older books? Do, do you ever feel like 
there's, I mean, there's, there's obviously way more books than anybody could ever hope to read in a lifetime that, that already exist. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are so many phenomenal books that have already been written. Do any of those ever get any love on the bookstagram community? Yeah. And, and those are what we refer to as backlist titles. And you do see quite a bit of that. Um, it tends to be the ones that are the most popular, you know, uh, Jane Austen, uh, you know, old Stephen King, not as much, but mm-hmm. you do see some of those older classics being mentioned and being discussed, but it is very much a lot of conversations about new books. Yeah. Um, but there, I think there's a, a decent balance. And you know, one thing I would love to see more of is more indie author love, more support around that. And then kind of more, I, w- I would say organic love for those own voices books, whether they're by black or indigenous or people of color, LGBTQ, those authors that a lot of people will celebrate during whatever awareness month it is, but mm-hmm. they're not reading them year round. And I think it's such a disservice because I mean, those are some of my, I mean, you just, you get so immersed in a, maybe a world that you're not familiar with and you can learn so much, but also you can celebrate those communities and experience the joy and the love that, you know, you just, you may not get elsewhere. Yeah. Well, that's one of the beauties of books in general is, is being able to be transported into another world that you don't Mm -hmm. occupy in your day to day. Yeah, exactly. What are you hoping to bring to the bookstagram community with your, with your podcast? Yeah, I'm really hoping to bring those more in-depth conversations, being able to meet new people. You know, I think like every community, I think a lot of us get stuck in our, I don't want to call it a rut, but we have the group of people that we know and we talk to, and we may not be meeting or reaching out to those that are not in our immediate circles. And I think I would love to be able to kind of bridge some of those gaps and let people meet new bookstagrammers and people that they didn't know before. Yeah, that would be great. And then, uh, you know, I heard you on bookstagram chats. You were fantastic. Let's hook up or connect or whatever it is. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I kind of doubt that you'll run into this problem with how many episodes you have already in the in the can i guess but do you, do you anticipate having any issue continuing your podcast at some point like there's there's so many podcasts that have 3 or 4 episodes and then they kind of fizzle out and obviously you know you've got 11 or 14 or whatever mm-hmm. already done and and 5 months scheduled so that's all that's a whole bunch of content can you see yourself you know continuing this for the long term I would love to be able to. And as long as people are willing to come on and chat, I am going to keep pushing out episodes and keep having those conversations. So yes, I guess the the short answer on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I want to keep doing it. Yes. It's just so much fun. Do you have any kind of format that you try to stick to with your podcast? The, The three that are out, you know, they range from 26 minutes to 44 minutes, which isn't necessarily a, a huge difference, although it is, I guess, almost double. Mm -hmm. Does the conversation just take as long as the conversation takes, or are you trying to stick within a certain time frame? My goal is somewhere in that 30 to 45 minutes, because I know from my own perspective, I don't have the attention span for longer episodes. 
um, without a daily commute, I don't have time to listen in one sitting. Yeah. So I also, I want to keep it to that. There's, I don't want, I don't think 45 minutes is short, but kind of a, a shorter conversation. Like, you know, we're out to get coffee and we're just having a chat while we drink our coffee, mm-hmm. um, where it just, it kind of feels like that. So I have a general idea and flow going into the conversation of what I know we're going to talk about. But a lot of times we just kind of chat like Hunter, who was episode three, he's uh, shelf by shelf. He and I have been acquainted on Bookstagram for a couple of years and have chatted and we've exchanged writing. And so, you know, I, I felt comfortable talking to him, but then when we got on and started recording, it was just like two old friends that just met up for coffee and we're just chatting and seeing where the conversation goes. And that's, that's kind of the vibe I'm going for it. So I tell people I'm not, I don't over edit. I'm not going to take out your ums. We're not going to worry about too much and just let it, let it be natural as, as the goal. And if it's 20 minutes or if it's 45 minutes, then, you know, that's kind of where it's at. I might, that's it. My goal is to stay under that 45 though. I'm just waiting for that conversation that gets to 46 minutes and you're like, <sighs> all right, we're, we're done. Come just close. cut it off. It's over. <laughs> Stop talking. Get off my podcast. <laughs> you went over the line. <laughs> There's been once or twice where I've had to kind of just, <laughs> this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Did you have any sort of history with audio recording before you got into podcasting or is this entirely new for you? It is entirely new for me. Well, okay. Um, so I, I mentioned that I moved here for songwriting. So I've been in a studio before a friend of mine and I recorded demos forever ago. Do those tapes exist? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Uh, But no, they do not. So there's a little bit of that. I was not singing to be, to be perfectly clear here. Uh, My friend, Melissa has a beautiful voice and she and I worked together a lot on songs. And so we went into the studio and she recorded the songs. I just sat there. So there, I had that experience, but it was, that's very minimal. And I don't even think that would qualify as having as experience. Um, but I'm going to own it and say that, yes, I have a little bit, a little of, bit of experience. experience. So I, I guess this question would be not necessarily for this podcast, just because you've You've, you've already done a podcast. Did you find the experience overwhelming in any way when you were trying to get started with uh, the, the technical side of, you know, how do I pick a microphone? Did you pick a microphone, um, software, any of that? Or did you, did you dive into that at all or try to just keep it as simple as possible? Well, I have a slight advantage and I, um, I say this too for my books is I've married somebody who knows this stuff. So I was able to get some ideas, get, figure out what my budget was and then be like, Hey, Jeff, (laughs) what do I do? And he, he's, he's really helped me figure out a lot of the technical stuff. And he's always the one I'm like, I've messed up. I don't know what I've done. Please fix this. (laughs) Um, so he's, he's very helpful with that. He's also a designer. So he's helped design my book covers and that's like what I always tell writers and like my best advice is to marry somebody who can do your book covers because you will save so much money. Right. And if they can do your website, huge bonus. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what is your, what does your recording setup look like then right now? What kind of microphone are you using software? I'm like, I'm going to have to look at my microphone. It's like a Tonar, Tonor. I don't know. 
It's so bad, right? Just plug straight into the USB? For sure, yeah. Yeah. And then I, I record on Zoom and I edit in Audacity because it's free. Yep. But it crashes constantly. So oh, I, really? I have to save every 30 seconds. That sounds terrible. But again, I'm just, I'm not going for an audio engineering award. I'm yeah. <laughs> going for a natural conversation. Right. Now I will edit out because one of the things you just heard me do it, I cannot stand the sound when I take a breath. So I, I will sometimes edit that out. Or if I've got coffee or a drink, I will edit out like those little bitty sounds. But for the most part, I I don't focus a lot of the energy on making the audio perfect. And then once you have your audio and it's edited to your liking and ready to go, how are you distributing your podcast? So I use Buzzsprout, which I I just recently discovered. They have a phenomenal community on Facebook of other people who use this their platform to distribute and host. And they're really helpful with answering questions. I wish I'd known this when we did the first podcast, but Theirs is very simple, very easy to use. And I've just, I'm also, I'm one of those people, once I stick, I get something and I like it, I don't change it. I've had the same car insurance since I was 16. <laughs> so I, I'm very pleased with that. They do, a, it's a great tool. Episodes upload quickly. They make it very easy to connect to the different uh, podcast platforms. Um, some of them, you still have to do the waiting game. Like I'm still waiting for Pandora to approve my podcast, but other than that, like it's just it's super simple to use, and I love that. Yeah, they're one of the the big names in the space. I do believe mm-hmm. one of my other guests that I've interviewed uh, mentioned that they also have some fantastic FAQs on their website, yes. some blog posts and things that he really found helpful. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff. I, I was trying to figure out. I was having an issue loading my Zoom and uh, recordings into Audacity today, and they figured out it was just a a blonde moment on my part, but they have a lot of audacity tutorials, which was great uh, to, to figure out how to use the editing stuff on there. So that's, yeah, they're just great. Do you do any sort of a pre podcasting routine? Do you, do you warm up your voice or anything or do anything to try and get comfortable or ready to go? Um, I embrace my Southern suburban mom status and drink a truly usually. (laughs) Uh, occasionally I'll have tea, but I got a truly on my desk right now. <laughs> Two shots of whiskey and a, and a Coors Light is, I think that's what Dave Grohl does before his concerts. Okay. I'm going to digress. Have you read his book? I have not, but I know he's been promoting it because he's been on like all of the, not all, of the, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, he's been hopping around doing the, doing the talks. I would highly recommend doing the audiobook on that one. Phenomenal. Okay. I'll try to fit the audiobook in around all of the other Dave Grohl podcasts that I'm listening to. <laughs> it was it's just really good and you get little snippets of music and Yeah, no, he's fantastic. He's he's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, I I was not a Nirvana or I'm not a Foo Fighters. I'm not like a big fan. I like their music, but I'm not like I didn't buy records or go to concerts, but mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed his book. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out because I I do like him the the air that he puts on or exudes or whatever his his personality is is appealing to me when I hear him speaking on podcasts and things so yes he has a very soothing voice too he does and I think that probably comes with just his complete comfort with being on a microphone maybe 
Well, yes. naturally, he, he probably just has a natural voice too, but obviously he's, he has zero issues with stage fright, I'm sure. Yeah. I think he talks a little bit about that kind of stuff, but yeah, he's just, he's just, he's who he is and he embraces it, which I just, I love. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Back to your podcast. Do you, <laughs> do you use any, any notes or anything when you are interviewing your guests? Do you have questions written down in advance? that you're that you're reading off of or referring to i guess i I usually put a general idea together um like if there's something about their platform that i really want to talk about like you know if they have their own book club or if there's a book product that they're promoting or i know that they're a big fan of a certain author i will work that in but i do try to kind of go into it pretty casual um i i have a google i usually have a google uh, dock up with different questions and ideas of things to make sure I mention and that we talk about. Uh, but as far as like a strict script or a strict list of questions, um, I don't usually do unless it's someone that I don't know mm-hmm. super well. And I want to make sure that I'm able to dig a little deeper. Cool. That's a good, probably a good way to go about that, especially for the uh, type of podcast that you are doing. Mm-hmm. Did Jeff do your cover art? I know I did. You did. Okay. I was going to ask you because you have different cover art for every episode. So I'm going to have to, I was going to be like, Jeff, are you, did, did Andrea rope you in into a, a recurring role on her podcast? <laughs> so I have discovered, and this is because of my day job. Um, and I'm late to the game, fully admit this, but Canva yeah. is the most beautiful thing on the internet. Like I just... I don't know why I resisted it for so long, but it's, it's just my best friend right now. I've heard a lot about that. I have not gotten into it probably because I'm the, uh, the old stuck in my ways. If I'm going to design anything, it has to be in Photoshop person. Yeah. And you know, I was doing that at my day job and then someone's like, Hey moron. They didn't say those exact words, but (laughs) why aren't you using Canva? And I was like, I just, I don't know how to use it. And she's like, I'm calling you on teams, answer the phone. And then she showed me something and I was like, Oh my God. Well, that was quick. <laughs> this is life changing. Yeah. Well, I may have to check it out. I know even my wife has tried to use Canva for stuff and she is not a designer and, but I'm sure it turned out pretty well. So. Yeah. And I know a lot of people like, don't do your logo in Canva, but I didn't use one of their pre-made templates. I kind of found different elements and tweaked them and made them work I love the way it turned out. My husband had one thing that he wanted me to fix, but I didn't do it just out of spite. But I think it's, I think it's pretty. Well, as long as you like it, that's all that matters. <laughs> and it's, it's representative of what the, the podcast is. So, Do you have any, any feel for where podcasts might be going in the future? Do you think we're still on the leading edge of podcast? Is it, is it a mature market and it's too late for us to break in with our new podcasts? <laughs> this is so bad. I don't know enough about podcasts to answer that question. Um, I'd like to think that if this is kind of, you know, they've been around a while and I think a lot of people want to do podcasts. A lot of people started doing podcasts during the pandemic, but I also think that as a society, we're always looking for different and new ways to connect with people. And, you know, especially us millennial women, we love our true crime and, 
there is a never ending supply of true crime stories to cover on podcasts. So I think, man, those have blown up. God bless America. I don't know how, and I, I need to fall down a podcast rabbit hole of like cults and insane religions like Scientology, because I fell down the Netflix rabbit hole and the HBO rabbit hole on those and just fell hard. <laughs> and like, now I'm just like, give me all of the insane religious cult yeah. content that went on a different trail from what you asked me. But I do think that there's, there's a lot of room left for this medium to grow. Yeah. I think I, I saw a statistic that at least the, uh, the listenership of podcast is projected to grow something like 120 million active listeners in the U S right now expected to grow to 160 million by 2023. So over the next two years, you got 40 million more people that need to find stuff to listen to. Yeah. And I assume at some point when we go back to offices, whenever that is never, never going back. I miss it sometimes, but only because I started a new job in the middle of the pandemic and I've yeah, only me met too. like two of my coworkers in person, yep. which is super weird. But I think, I, like I said, I miss having that commute time. Um, I used to, I would listen to podcasts or I would listen to an audiobook, and it was really my, my decompression time. And I truly do miss that. So like, if we don't go back to the office, I'm going to have to like make up a morning drive routine or something just to get that time back. So I, I started doing this when I first went work from home is I take the kids to daycare and then I'll come back and it's usually about seven o'clock and I wouldn't have to sign on until eight. And I would go for like a 30 to 45 minute walk and I would call my walk, my commute. Yeah. And I would just commute around my neighborhood. That's pretty smart. I have a uh, spin bike right next to my desk that it misses me, but that I would get on and listen to audiobooks while I did a scenic ride or something. So I need to get back into doing that. I just, um, my children wake up at four o'clock in the morning. So, oh my gosh, uh, we, it just kind of kills my, my morning vibe. Cause that was my routine is I would get up at four or four 30, do my bike, do my audiobook or whatever I was going to do. And then I would have time to sit down and drink coffee or get my mind right. But now that's just gone out the window. I would be so grumpy every single day if my kids woke up that early. It's it's just a, it's a, it's a delightful thing that they do. I need my time in the morning without little, little people running around. <laughs> I need some <laughs> me time. Yeah. I look forward to the day when they're teenagers and when I can go into their rooms at like four o'clock in the morning and be like, my water tastes funny. My pajamas are weird. <laughs> I keep getting wedgies. Like it's coming full circle. It is. All right. Well, this has been, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you for coming on with me we had i know we had a lot of uh scheduling issues mostly on my end with sick kids and then kids daycare needs and then a tornado hitting my street you know all completely legitimate reasons yeah so thanks for you know taking the time to take the time and come on and and work with me on that i really appreciate it yeah thank you absolutely is there anything else that you think we should discuss about your podcast, about podcasting in general, about your books or you or anything else that you want to talk about? Well, obviously, I think everybody should go subscribe to Bookstagram Chats. Um, of course. Leave it a review. And then if you're so inclined and you enjoy contemporary fiction about women, um, you can check out my books at andreanorse.com. All of my social media is at andreanorse, so I should be pretty easy to find. Uh, but yeah, I just, I appreciate you 
taking the time to chat with me and everybody who's taking the time to listen. Yeah. We'll have all of those links in the show notes as they say. Andrea, thank you so much for... I feel like such a tool when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) Links in the doobly-doo, as John Green says. Like and subscribe. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, right. All right. Thank you so much for hopping on here. Thank you. That was my conversation with Andrea Norse, author, bookstagrammer, and host of the Bookstagram Chats podcast, which can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find Bookstagram chats at andreanorse.com. My name is Chris Cookley, and you can find me at whomakesapodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be an enormous help if you shared it with your friends or left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. It helps other podcast lovers find the show, and it really does make a difference. And if you host a podcast and would like to be my next guest on Who Makes a Podcast, let me know. Go to whomakesapodcast.com slash guest and tell me about your show. This is Who Makes a Podcast. I'll be back next time with another conversation with another incredible podcast host. Thanks for listening.